This episode of The Expats is brought to you by NationGear.ca. Look, if you're an Oilers fan, Nation Gear is the only online apparel store you need. They have all kinds of great stuff for every fan out there. Think hats and tees that look fantastic and allow you to cheer on the team that you so desperately love. And you have to check out Nation Gear's 16-bit line, which pays homage to the glory days of Super Nintendo. Right now, right this minute, if you go to nationgear.ca, you can get a 10% discount if you use the promo code EXPAT10. That's EXPAT10. Pause this podcast, take a look at their inventory, and grab some gear before it's gone. All the apparel you need to show your love for the team. Join the Oilers Nation, check out nationgear.ca, and remember to use that promo code EXPAT10. We've had a lot of advertising inquiries here at the Expats, and we're glad to have Nation Gear on as our first sponsor. But in order to get the right kinds of sponsorship that you, our dear listeners, will find useful, we need you to fill out our audience survey. All the data that we're collecting in this survey is anonymous, and it will help the show grow and expand. Visit bit.ly slash survey. The survey will only take you about five minutes to complete. So that's bit.ly slash survey. Thanks for listening. And now, on with the show. Switzerland evokes powerful imagery, at least in my mind. Beautiful Alps, delicious chocolate, and a kind Germanic people. What many people probably don't realize about Switzerland is that that's where we get the name Helvetica from. Maybe one of the most pervasive typefaces on modern computers, certainly if you're on a Mac, Helvetica or Helvetia is actually the national personification of Switzerland, like Uncle Sam is to the United States. Join me as we explore the perpetually neutral European nation of Switzerland through the eyes of a Canadian roller derby girl on the expats. Welcome to the Expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Imagine coming home from work. You've had a bad day, and you decide that the only way to make things better is to quit your job and pursue another opportunity abroad. Tatiana Workentine and her husband did exactly that, leaving their Winnipeg home to try out the expat life in Bern, Switzerland. With very little notice, I might add. We left Canada with 30 days notice, um, but the story actually started in February of that year. My ha, my husband had had a really kind of bad day at work where he was working, and he's like, you know what will make me feel better? I'm going to look at what's available in international jobs because this is something he'd always wanted to do. He's also in the computer IT tech industry, so you kind of always have to keep up on what's going on in regards to jobs. So he looked and he saw this job at the Universal Postal Union, and he he kind of fit the skill set that they needed, and he applied just to make himself feel better. And then he got an interview, which we didn't think would happen. So they interviewed him via Skype. Okay. And which we thought was really neat. And then he um. They said what happened is that they changed the job 
that he had applied for, but they saw his skill set and they had a different job that they thought he would be great for. And would it be okay if they interviewed him for that instead? (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Yeah. And so it's actually the job that he has now, but he did that interview and then he got a second interview where they did a test and a skills test. And then two weeks later into about the end of June, and then on June 30th, we got an email stating we, we want to offer you the position and we would like you to be here July 30th. That's incredible. Yeah. And so the, the only bad part about that was is that the day before I had renewed our car insurance for the year. I had renewed the, the lease on our apartment. I had, I had done all that stuff you do once a year. And so I had even had an, uh, I had had a meeting at the University of Winnipeg to join their continuing education department in, uh, they have an after degree in communications that I was, because I worked in communications and I worked in social media marketing, but I didn't have that piece of paper. And they had a program that would give me that piece of paper saying, I know how to do this job. And I had just submitted my application and all they needed from me was the $500 deposit. I had not given them the $500 deposit. Well, that's a relief. So um, we got that email and my husband came into our bedroom on June 30th saying we're moving to Switzerland. It was about six in the morning. And I kid you not, the first words out of my mouth were, I think I'm going to throw up. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think you had that reaction? Because it was, you don't think, even when we're going through the whole process, we didn't think it was possible. We always knew somewhere in the realm of like it would be nice, it could it could happen. But we were, you know, a young couple from Winnipeg and my husband's from a small town and we're like, you know, these we'd been disappointed previously by an attempt to move overseas and we were a little gun shy. Like we didn't tell a lot of people we were even going through this whole process. So like when it actually happened, we were like, What? <laughs> so when you did actually tell your, you know, friends and family what was what was their reaction? Were they were they surprised? Were they not surprised? There were we had a mixed bag. Um, literally within ten minutes of finding out, I tried to call my parents out on the east coast, and it was like the one time someone at home didn't answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, okay, who am I going to call? Who am I going to? And I called my best friend, and my best friend was the first person I told, and she knew that we were going through this process because she is my best friend, and I tell her everything. So. She was so happy, but so sad at the same time. <laughs> so it doesn't, because. it doesn't really sound like it was a, a a difficult decision for your husband to accept the position. No, um, we never actually talked about whether or not he would or wouldn't accept the position. It was always a foregone conclusion that if they come back and they want you, the answer is yes. Wow! Because this doesn't come up very often, and the fact that where he works is uh, a special department of the United Nations, you don't say no to the United Nations. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. Does he have like a special uh, diplomatic um, status? Like, is he immune to prosecution and that sort of thing? Well, okay, this is, we get this question a lot because people are like, whoa, does that mean if you run someone over with a car? And I'm like, well, I hope we don't. (laughs) But um, when he's, it's called mission, when he, you know, when other people go on business trips, his business trips are actually defined as going on mission. Which is super badass, right? That is so cool. (laughs) And he does have a lazy passe, which is the official UN passport. 
So he uses that in conjunction with his Canadian passport. I don't get one because I, for our my job at the Universal Postal Unit, I don't get to travel, so I don't get a laissez-passer. But um, he is immune to certain things when he is on mission and traveling under that passport. Uh, can you can you give us an example of something that he could uh, get, get away with on one of his missions? Well, actually, the the best thing that we can get away with is that we don't pay taxes. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, that is the biggest kind of. If you people think diplomatic immunity means um, just like oh, in prosecution from things, but one of the immunities we do get is that we don't pay local taxes. So we don't pay taxes here in Switzerland, and we don't pay taxes in Canada either. Because if you think about it, it there's you know treaties and agreements that are made between the countries, but Canada pays into the United Nations. We get paid by the United Nations, so Canada can't take back the money they gave to the UN is kind of the simplest way to explain it. That, it kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. But does that mean that you guys don't pay like income taxes or anything? No. Oh man. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, um, I mean, we, my husband has, my husband and I have a few things that we still pay taxes on, but that's only because these existed long before we even went to Switzerland and so we have to pay taxes on those things, but um, uh, we don't pay tax on any of the income that we make. That's amazing. Yes. Um, okay, so let's let's just step back a moment. So you've you've been your husband's been offered this job. What are yeah. you? What do you have to do in thirty days to prepare to move your entire <laughs> life? Um, first, you call your mom and beg her to come from the east coast to help you. <laughs> Um, and then you call your dad Well, you get your mom to pass your dad the phone and get him to check when his dates are that he's going to be in Europe that summer. Um, because it worked out perfectly that my mom helped us on, and my mother-in-law, they helped us on getting there, like getting us out of the country. And basically that entailed uh, getting rid of our apartment and having to go to our tenant managers and be like, hey, so like I renewed... Just the other day, um, guess what? <laughs> We're leaving. Was it difficult to get out of that arrangement, or, or was your uh, was the building manager pretty understanding? They were really, really, really understanding. And what was so great is that we would be leaving July one, and we lived really close to the University of Winnipeg, and so they were starting to get inquiries from students wanting apartments. Of course. So it worked out. It was a dream situation. I think we only showed our apartment four times before we got someone who took over our lease, which was amazing. No kidding. Um, yeah, but we had to quit our jobs. Uh, we gave two, the day that we found out we were moving to Switzerland, we both went to work and gave our two weeks notice. <laughs> <laughs> and we got rid of, had to get rid of majority of our stuff. Uh, a friend of mine was having a garage sale, so I told her, can I bring stuff over to your house, and can you sell it at your garage sale, and you can keep the money? Um, we had a lot of people came out of the woodwork to help us and to get rid of our stuff, so we had to get, and um, my husband's aunt and uncle took our car from us and put it for sale on their property, because they live kind of on a highway, mm. so they just put a little for sale sign in front of the in the front of the avio and put it on their front lawn and that was gone after a while and it was great 
that a lot of people just kind of pitched in to get us out of there in 30 days. <laughs> they really wanted you to leave, hey? <laughs> they really wanted us to leave, which like at first I was like, oh, you guys are being like super cool about this. Like, is anyone going to miss us? <laughs> um, but we had friend, my, um, my parents offered, we had a cat as well. So my parents took our cat for a while because we didn't know if we'd have a place to live when we got there. And we didn't want the poor kitty to be in a hotel room with us. Yeah. So, yeah, so our my parents took the cat to the East Coast, and we had, yeah, it was amazing how quickly everything fell into place, but we acted as though we had three weeks to go, not four weeks. That way, we still had that cushion of a week that if something went horribly wrong, we could still figure stuff out. Well, that's really smart. Yeah. Now, tell me about how, the, how soft your landing was in Bern, because you guys live in Bern, you're in Geneva this weekend, right? Yes. Yeah, we're in Geneva this weekend, um, but we uh, we live in Bern. Yeah. Um, our, our landing was interesting because we... Uh, friends of ours joke that we're the two idiots that moved to Switzerland because when it, this whole thing came about, we had barely, like, Googled Bern. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we landed the day before the Swiss national holiday. Oh, boy. Which... We didn't know, and in hindsight, we're like, we really should have looked that up. <laughs> but so we landed during the Swiss national holiday, we landed during peak tourist season, so finding a hotel was difficult. Um, during the Swiss national holiday, lots of things were closed, the whole country was celebrating, and um, so we land, and there's like people setting off fireworks and this <laughs> and that, and we're just like, what have we done? <laughs> Is it always like this year? <laughs> Exactly. Well, and the thing is, everybody thinks the Swiss are so orderly. And so um, ganz genau is the German word for it. So everything is just so. Um, and then we show up and there's like people partying in the street and setting up fireworks. We're like, this is not Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and we, we knew that we'd have difficulty finding a place. And because of this long weekend, getting a hold of people to, to look at apartments was incredibly difficult. But um it was a bit of a culture shock, too. I grew up in a German family, so I fully expected, like, oh, it's a German culture. I understand that. But um, they speak Swiss German here. I don't speak Swiss German. And so it was a bit of a shock to me that I'm like, am I being understood? I have no idea. I'm speaking German, but that's not German what they're speaking back. And most people speak high German, so they would switch. But at first, I was just like, what is going on? So could you understand the dialect a little bit? Or were you yes. complete? Okay, okay, that's good. I was really quite lucky because in my father's family, they speak low German as well as high German. So I have an ear for kind of a, a, an unusual dialect of German. Mm -hmm. And now I, I have a much better time understanding. But the problem is in Switzerland, in German, the German part of Switzerland, that the dialect of Swiss German changes from city to city as well. So the Ban uh, the Banese Deutsch is different than the Tuna Deutsch, which is a town that's 40 minutes down the road, which is different from the Basel Deutsch, which is out near the German border. And it's so it takes a bit of getting used to. I can imagine. But my understanding was that many of the Swiss also speak English. Absolutely. And this is a common conversation you will have in Switzerland. It's like, excuse me, do you speak English? They will look at you, oh, yes, a little bit, and then proceed to have perfect English. <laughs> <laughs> so why, why is it that they all have to, or that they all speak perfect English? Well, um, in school, 
in school, you uh, take school in high German because they can't agree on, well, which Swiss German do you teach? And so they, they're educated in high German. Everybody also speaks Swiss German, so that's already two languages. And then once you get to a certain grade, you have to take either French, English, or um, other languages depending on what school. A lot of them opt for English because many of them get French from, you know, just living in Switzerland and being so close to France, but also having a French part of the country. But English is considered, like, really hip and really kind of cool to be able to speak English. And it's trendy. <laughs> no way. Wow. I'm, yeah. I, I didn't, I never thought I'd follow any kind of trend in my life. Yes, exactly. Uh, like, people get really excited when they hear my husband and I speak English because they're like, oh, can I practice my English with you? Because it's very rare that they get a native English speaker to speak with. Cool. You guys are like uh, the English ambassadors to Bern. We, we like to think that sometimes. <laughs> Other times we just end up being really Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, I mean, you've, you've kind of, uh, you've taken on some of the activities that you did in Canada. You're, you're on a roller derby team and, and you coach a team, right? Yeah, um, I, I coach and play for the same team. Um, I am a member of the Bonebreakers Roller Derby Burn. I started playing roller derby with the Winnipeg Roller Derby League in 2009. And so um, when we first got here, uh, there was only three teams in Switzerland. There was two in Geneva and one in Zurich. Zurich was the first one. And then... Um, I tried to go to practices for a while in Zurich, but Zurich, for me, the commute, it turned out because of where we live and getting to Zurich, it would be a two-hour commute there and back yes. by train. So I was like, I should also figure out how to live in a foreign country with my husband who doesn't speak the language <laughs> rather than immediately going back into roller derby. So I took a break from derby and then through kind of the grapevine of friends who knew people who knew people and Facebook, I was connected with the Bone Breakers about two months after they started and someone told them like, you need her. She plays derby and she's from North America. So you need her. And they reached out to me. And so I showed up one day and they're like, okay, you're our coach now. <laughs> They're fantastic. And it's actually given us a group of Swiss friends because we didn't have a lot of Swiss friends before that. Yeah. And so now we have Swiss friends and we're like, and they're fantastic and they're so great. That's cool. Um, you're, you mentioned your husband, you know, uh, obviously not a German speaker. Yes. How was the transition into Swiss culture for him? Um, he, I, he found it a lot easier than I know most spouses of friends of mine. Um, only because he had been exposed to German culture just through being with my family. Mm -hmm. So he, you know, he could, he understood the food a little bit. He understood kind of like some of the, the cultural social cues a little bit just from being a member of, of my family. Um, but I know at times he found it difficult, almost exhausting that he would go into a grocery store and he's like, I just, I want to be able to read the labels. Yeah. And I just, I want to understand what the announcement on the tram is. And it was, it was those little things that really bothered him some days. And he also didn't like that he sometimes felt dependent on me. He's like, I don't like the fact I have to be with you everywhere to be able to communicate or be understood. And yeah. that was really frustrating for him. But that first Christmas, he went out and bought my Christmas present by himself and he came home and he was so proud he's like I'm not going to tell you what I bought you but I was able to do it by myself and that was a huge deal yeah that would have felt like a personal victory for sure it was 
yeah. And then I think a, a, a year or two later, he was able to order the birthday cake for my birthday using a combination of English, French, and German. <laughs> but he was just so proud. That he's like, I didn't want to have to have you there to order the cake for your own birthday. Like, that's kind of lame. <laughs> so, so he managed to do it, and he was so proud. And you guys have been there for four and a half years now, right? Today actually marks our four and a half year anniversary of being in Switzerland. Congratulations. Thank you. So does uh, how is it today compared to four and a half years ago? We were terrified. We were absolutely terrified. And now we actually recently had a conversation about like, this feels like home now. Yeah. And But at the time, we we kept thinking, and because of the, the way our contracts work at the UPU, well, his, I wasn't working at the time, the way it was three-year contracts, so we kept thinking, and well, this is only three years, but they renewed his contract, and they keep renewing his contract, um, or will probably keep renewing his contract. So we're not thinking in those, oh, this is only for a short time, that we're actually in the process of building our life here and that's incredible but at, when we first got here there were moments we woke up in the morning like what have we done <laughs> <laughs> like what have we done and then you get out of bed and you muddle your way through and you get frustrated with the silly things that you don't understand about the culture but then you have these like little moments of what i call little moments of expat win and you feel better about yourself. And we still have those moments of expat win and we still have those moments of like, what is wrong with this country? <laughs> but <laughs> they become fewer and far between and we're just happy to be here. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's awesome that you guys have are finding your way there, but I imagine there must be some things that you miss about your your home in, in Manitoba. Uh, what are those things? Um, flat. We... <laughs> We miss flat. Um, uh, my husband is from, <laughs> he is from a village. It's technically, actually, I don't think counts as a village, but it's a village of 200 people in the southwest corner of Manitoba. So he grew up on a farm just outside of town, and it's flat. Like, you can see for miles, and it's gorgeous, and it's flat. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm from Manitoba as well, and, like, it's just we miss the flat sometimes like we landed back home last christmas and they're like has it always been this flat like really <laughs> no they leveled it out while you were gone yeah they leveled it while we were away <laughs> clearly because we're surrounded by mountains all the time and is, um, is that a feeling of kind of being closed in like what is it about the flatness that you miss um uh, well part of it is just because it's familiar yeah and I I love big sky and to me the prairies is big sky and while the sky is beautiful here because you've got like when the sun is setting behind some mountains and it's all purple and pink and gorgeous you're like this is so cool <laughs> but it's just there's something that just feels so right about flat for us yeah and we also miss I mean we miss our families because we're both very close with our families and it's hard to experience your nieces growing up on Skype and uh, or actually my husband and I met one of our nieces over Skype. Oh, we didn't no way. meet her until she was almost two years old. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Or my like my godson was nine months old when we left. And so we exper we've experienced his growth on Skype, whereas his sister, our goddaughter, I was at the hospital like moments after I found out she had been born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough to be away from family. 
Yeah, it is. And I mean, our families are, are have visited us here. His my youngest sister-in-law is going to come and visit us soon, but it's it's hard being away from family like during happy times and I mean also during sad times. I mean, we both lost grandmothers within the first year of us being in Switzerland and oh, we couldn't go we couldn't afford to go home for the funerals. Yikes. And that that was tough, but at the same time we also we've had family members and friends get married. And have these amazing happy occasions that you experience only like through Facebook. It's kind of weird, isn't it? It is. Like my husband went home for his sister's wedding this year and I chose to stay back because it's quite expensive to go home. And so he went and was at his sister's wedding and I'm looking at these wedding photos and you're just like, well, he's in them, but I'm not. It's weird. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, you've been there for four and a half years. You say your husband's contract's been renewed. Uh, doesn't sound like you're planning to leave Switzerland anytime soon, but is there, are, do you guys have plans to try living anywhere else in the world? We would love, <laughs> we were just talking about this while we were eating, eating lunch. If we could live anywhere else in the world, um, we would love to live other places in the world. Yeah. I have dual citizenship. I have an EU passport with Germany and also my Canadian passport. So that opens up a lot of doors for me and that also then in turn makes it much easier for my husband as well that when he tells people, well, my wife has a German passport. It's like, oh, okay. So it makes us look a bit more appealing. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay. They're willing to travel and it actually makes in some cases, in some countries, the paperwork is a lot easier. Oh, that's good. (laughs) Yeah. So we would love to, to live in other places, but, um, we're so happy here right now, but if the right opportunity came along, we totally would. Just don't tell my roller derby team because I've already been told I'm not allowed to leave. <laughs> oh, no. They've laid claim to you. They have. They have. They're like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's, a, what's one thing that you guys were surprised about when you arrived in Switzerland that, you, that hadn't occurred to you would exist or, or be a thing? Well, what was actually what was really entertaining for us, like sometimes when you're in a the expat situation, sometimes all you can do is laugh. Um, like one of the things that just we didn't think would ever occur to us was the fact that um, the Swiss have their own cuisine that no one knows about. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean everybody thinks fondue, and yes, fondue is the only one of the only indigenous foods to Switzerland. Okay. Although they will not take any claim to chocolate fondue. Why not? I thought Swiss and chocolate was like, that was obvious. Well, they've, they've kind of taken it, but they're like, okay, but we didn't think it up. Oh, they just so, don't want credit for it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But for them, you know, like, well, why would you melt it when you could just eat the perfectly good piece of chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> um, or uh, they also, what we do love is that the Swiss national dish, though, is something called rusty. Which, um, to North Americans, we know it as shredded hash browns. That's their national dish. Yes. And you put cheese and a fried egg on it. And we're like, this is, this is a Grand Slam breakfast from Spitties, <laughs> is, the nat- is the national dish. We're like, this is so great. That's amazing. Or, I mean, there was other things, too, just like how, um, I, I keep thinking of the phrase Gunskanau, like every, which is a, a German phrase that like everything is just so. Um, in Switzerland, like um, we have quiet time in our apartment complex, Ruhestunde. Okay. Uh, it's quiet hour, and it's between twelve and one thirty. And they would appreciate it if you didn't make any noise in your apartment. Okay. 
<laughs> and you're like, that's okay. We live in a very forgiving apartment. There's children that live in our apartment building. So people, I think, are, are pretty easygoing. Whereas we have had friends who were informed by their Swiss neighbors that in this building, we don't wear heavy shoes after 10 o'clock because it makes noise. Wow. A friend of ours was informed that in this building, we only shower once a day, not twice. This was in the middle of a heat wave in July. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we were surprised at just how um, aware the the Swiss are of not being an annoyance to other people. Mm -hmm. Whereas we came from a downtown apartment in downtown Winnipeg where our neighbor's living room wall was our bedroom wall. <laughs> And he didn't care if we could hear him watching the movie Armageddon for the 70th time at four in the morning. Well, first of all, who watches Armageddon that many times? Exactly. I always wondered that. Yeah. I seriously always, he, I, I don't know. But at the same time, like he didn't care. Whereas here, people would be positively embarrassed that you could hear their television. Really? Yes. And I at first we were like, this is so weird. But now we're like, this is actually, it makes a lot of sense. It's just respectful living. That's awesome. The Swiss are so considerate. They are. They're a very, like, they're so considerate. Like, um, my goddaughter visited us this summer and she asked me, she's like, well, Auntie Tana, why do they always say hello when you walk past? They don't know you. And I'm like, no, they're just being polite. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, Neat. that would be weird in Canada. So what advice would you give to people who are thinking about maybe leaving Canada and pursuing a job or, or an adventure abroad? Just do it. Um, we, in July, we'll be married for 10 years. And the day that we got married, our minister said, I want you guys to set intentions for your marriage. And we're like, and we both blurted out, live internationally. So we kind of put that goal out into the universe and... We have worked very hard towards that goal, even at times when we didn't think, oh, this is me working towards moving to Switzerland. It was, you know, the little things that we would do that, you know, I kept my my paperwork, my German passport up to date. I or my husband would look at international um, job offers. I would look at international job postings things that like we would do little things to prepare ourselves to like this could happen one day because we put it out in the universe. This is something that we want. And for us, it's just, you know what, if you say no, you're going to regret it. I would much rather say yes than regret and have to tell, you know, uh, my nieces that, oh, yeah, well, we had this great opportunity to go work for the United Nations, but we said no. We, yeah, it's terrifying, but some of the most terrifying things in life are some of the best things in life. Hey, as Tatiana said, when an opportunity to work at the United Nation comes along, you do not say no. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Expats. If there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca or send me an email yourself. And let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart. You can find the expats on both Twitter and Facebook. Just search for Expats Podcast. And if you haven't already, please give the expats a rating and review on both the iTunes Store and Stitcher Radio. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks. Bye.